Also, you can put down your prayer sheets. I know Arlene and Chris will be traveling. I put that down there. Um, <clears throat> trying to think if there's anything else. All right, Romans chapter 1. We're going to start reading in verse uh, 23 and 24 on down through the chapter. It says, And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who was blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. For even the women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, uh, I pray for your help tonight. I pray that you would help me to stay true to your word. And Lord, I pray that this would, that, that the message that we see or one, that it would be clear, that you would use it to draw us closer to you. I pray that you be glorified and honored, meet the needs that are here. Lord, I do pray if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted. Lord, I pray, I pray for that conviction and that drawing and that perhaps even this evening they would repent and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you be glorified and honored. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, last week we, we were looking at verses 21, 22. I probably should have threw verse 23 into there, but didn't quite have the time for that. So, uh, But it fits going into tonight. We were looking at the downward direction of mankind. We, we've been looking at really all the reasons God sends his wrath, how they had, we, as we back up there, we launched into this going back to verse number 18, uh, um, where God's wrath is going to be revealed from heaven, and it tells why it's going to be revealed, how all, no man is without excuse. Creation screams, Creator, let man did not like to hold this knowledge. Um, they wanted to deny the existence of God, and it led to this downward progression. We look, again, we looked at that, how at first man refuses to glorify God as God. Um, even though a, a creator is obvious. The atheists today, that's just absurd. 
You just look around, everything screams creator. Uh, And these are the people, though, even though they know that, they see that, they do not want to glorify God as God. And then the next step after that takes place, they will become unthankful. I mean, after all, when they fail to see God in anything... Um, and fail to glorify God as God, no way they're going to be thankful to Him. And we talked briefly about the dangers of unthankfulness, what else that leads to in life. Because then man now is going to start to look to himself. Thus will become vain in his imagination. His thoughts become empty and prideful. Man begins to live for himself. He loses the purpose of life. You can see multitudes of those who reach some measure of success in their career and even maybe popularity, and and they know it's empty. There's just something missing, and they're trying this or they're trying a new drug. Maybe I, I can just get something to treat my brain. Maybe if I just do this thing or this thing. The problem is they're missing out on what the purpose of life is, and that is to glorify God. After he is vain in his imagination... Next is the darkness that comes up in his foolish heart. Darkness begins to come in. That begins to have an effect on those around him, on the culture. Verse 23, as we read, further degeneration occurs. As now at this point, man begins to create false gods. Idolatry will come into, pra- will come into play. The epitome of stupidity. See, man is has this spiritual side to him. And even though he denies God, he's going to worship something. He is. Um, He must worship. Whether he realizes it or not, that takes place. He'll worship something, somewhere he will. And since man has rejected the true God, he will create his own God. A God that he likes. A God that he can follow, that he could live for. So idolatry comes in. Idolatry is basically, really, when you break it down, it's the worship of self. It is. Because you're creating a God based on your thoughts, on your vain imagination, what God should look like. It's just basically a different way to worship self. We see even in our text that man can turn to the worship of, within their gods, a four-footed beast. I mean, think that the Jews created a golden calf. Egypt, of course, with the worship of the bull, even creeping things. Belzebub, we've all heard that name. We use it oftentimes as a reference to the devil, and in context, many times it is. But really, it's just speaking of Lord of the Flies. Incredible what people will turn to and worship. Or images like corruptible man. I mean, like the Romans worshiping Caesar, considering him divine, putting his image in, uh, on coins, and you name it, it was on it. You say, well, in America, we don't do things like that. Oh, we're full of idolatry in America. It just looks a little bit different. We worship science. We worship humanism. We worship nationalism. We worship naturalism. We worship ecology. We worship money. We worship pleasure. We worship sex. We worship romance. We worship entertainment. We worship sports. We worship education. We worship prestige, power, rock singers, movie stars, athletes. All these things are put before God. Now, when we come down to today's text, we have with what is without a doubt the most sobering passage in all of the book of Romans and one of the most sobering pa- passages in the entire Word of God. 
what we see now is, as we, as we watch what has taken place when man has chosen to reject God as creator, the downward spiral begins, and it gets to a point where a line is crossed. And that's what our text deals with. It is when God, up to this point, God has, hasn't done anything. But now, his wrath comes. And his wrath comes in a way that we don't often... We think of a wrath as, you know, a hurricane. But that, that's not it. What's getting ready to happen here in wrath is God turns man over to himself. Remember the context, going back to verse 18, this is God's wrath revealed. The verses in between these have been telling you why. This is why this is going to take place. This is a very dangerous place to be. Because of what takes place is this. God turns man over to himself. Or, as I read one preacher put it, he abandons man. Now that's not quite in the fullest extent, but I can see the meaning of that in this passage. So... We see in our text, the first thing I'm going to discuss here is when God turns man over. As man turns from God, and we have looked at these verses before. As you can tell, this is just a little bit different message from that. But I've looked at these verses several years ago when we had one of the mass shootings and such vileness taking place. I think it was the Las Vegas one and demonstrating what was happening to our nation. Uh, but anyhow, let me first talk about when God turns man over to himself. Again, as man continues down that downward process, there comes a point in time when God will act. Wickedness will grow, and if repentance does not happen, that line gets crossed. Again, we have one of the saddest statements given three times in our text. Look at verse 24. Wherefore, wherefore God also gave them up. Look in verse 26. For this cause, God gave them up. Verse 28, same phrase again, God gave them over. Three times it is listed. I want you to turn with me over to Psalm chapter 81. Psalm chapter 81. This is something that God has always done. This is not new in our day. It was not new in the first century. This has been in place throughout all of history. Psalm 81, look at verse number 11. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. Basically summing up Romans chapter 1, verses 18 down through 23. Look at 12. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. This happens over and over throughout all of world history. We see it, uh, a sad example that uh, I'm, when I was going through the book of Judges and memorizing verses in each of the book of the Bibles, for Judges it was, I'm not going to turn there for time's sake tonight, but it was with Samson. And when you, when you get into the text uh, in chapter 16, it says this, And he wist not 
that the Lord departed from him. He didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. When this happened, just like with Israel, many times, it's not like God sends an announcement. He just does this. And I'll get more specific as to what we're looking at, what it is that God is doing. When we went through the book of Hosea, we saw this with Gomer, with a picture of, she was a picture of Israel's rebellion and what was taking place and, and some of the roadblocks that were put in. I'll come back to that more. In Hosea chapter 4, we looked at this when we were in Hosea 4 and verse 17. It says, Ephraim is joined unto idols. Remember, that was verse 23. You know what the next few words of that sentence is? Let him alone. Let him alone. This is something you never want to hear. You don't want to hear as an individual. You don't want to hear as a culture. You don't want to hear as a nation. We never want to get to a place where God says, you know what? Let them alone. I'm done. I've been convicting. I've been prying. I've been patient. I've been long-suffering. And this is all he does. Let them alone. So as man rejects God, he heads downward. And if not repented, God will turn man over to himself. So what happens when man is turned over by God? We see in each of the three times mentioned in our text, what takes place is this. God removes more and more restraint. What he allows is man to follow his darkened, wicked, vile heart. Do you know that right now in our life, it's, it's been true your entire life, that God has restraints put in place to prevent man from following all the wickedness of his heart. He does. He has those, like, like we talked about in, uh, in Hosea, he has roadblocks in place so that you cannot absolutely do all the wickedness that you are capable of. In his mercy and in his grace, so there's a form of sanity, so the culture can survive. He says, I'll put restraints in. So what God does here, as a form of wrath, is he begins to remove different levels of those restraints. Each time it happens, conditions will get worse. We can see this happening in our own nation right now. We can see, and you're going to see as we go through this, the proof that God has turned us over to our own vile heart. What we are seeing is God removing the roadblocks in our culture. Men being turned over to their own wicked, vile heart. And remember, it's actually a form of wrath. I've said this many times. America's problem is... It's, it, it's not a race problem. It's not a drug problem. It's not a gun problem. It's a heart issue. It's a nation that has turned from God. We are now reaping the results of that action. Our culture has determined that they don't want God, so it gets to a point where God says, you know what? Fine. Let me show you what it looks like without me. 
The downward direction is taking place in the text, and so the Lord describes what's going to happen next, leading up to man being turned over by him. Again, because when they had the knowledge of God, they chose to abandon him. They did not let God be God. They thought they were wise, but as we learned in our text, they were fools. So let's look at verse 24 here tonight. Let's start there and let's look what happens with the very first restraint that is removed by God. And it is fascinating throughout all of world history. You can see this taking place. Verse 24, wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. So here is the first restraint that is removed, the first roadblock that is removed, and that is man is given over to sexual perversion, fornication, adultery, promiscuity, people becoming obsessed with sex. The uncleanness there is referring to sexual sins. So the first restraint that is removed is along these lines. Of course, we can see this has been taking place in our nation for over 60 years. When that restraint is removed, a sexual revolution takes place. We saw that take place in our own nation in the 1960s. You can see that restraint by the late 60s, early 70s being removed. With the rejection of God taking place by the end of that decade, it was, it was, it, I, they wanted free love. They, they didn't want no restraints when it came to sexual activity. Uh, um, they saw it as constraining. And, and, and they didn't want any guilt associated with it. Pornography began to launch by that time. It was God removing the very first level of restraint. Turning man over to this level in his own heart. Many people during this time, you go back into the 50s, into the 60s for this, many were looking for, this was, this was almost see the idolatry with this. Multitudes, especially in the younger generation, the youth generation that was up and coming from late teens into really to about 40 years old and even really beyond that. Fascinating actually to study out how the amount of the population that was looking for a spiritual experience because man is a spiritual creature. Now they were denying God. They, they did not want the creator because of what comes with the creator and that is absolutes. But they still wanted a spiritual experience. And one of the most prominent ways of that time frame was not to seek the Creator, but to pop a few pills like LSD in and have a, quote, spiritual experience. Do you understand? that? For, for, for many of us who were not alive back then, we don't understand. The, 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 the drive for that back then was this spiritual realm that you were going to enter. Is during this time you can, be, you can see the foundation taking place as man was turned over. That man began to believe the lie that morals were relative. Morals are not relative. You don't have your own truth. That's outrageous. It's, if, if, I mean, just like we see, we, we, we were t- a culture can be turned over to fools. To believe that we all have our own truth. Just think of the words. Listen, if this is true, then everything else is not. 
you understand that? If, if, in other words, if it is wrong for a man to marry a man, then it's wrong. I don't get to determine that. You don't get to determine that. Why? Because there's absolutes. Well, why are there absolutes? Because there's a creator. If there's a creator, there's no way around that. There are absolutes. He determines morality. Man did not want that. Man wanted to determine his own morality. He wanted his own truth. He's getting it now. Then we see the second time man is turned over. Look in verse 26. Repentance does not take place. There's another revolution. There's another turning man over. There's another restraint removed. There's another roadblock that is removed. For this cause, God gave them up unto, now it gets worse, vile affections. For even the women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was meat. Here's the second restraint that is removed. Now, now this gets even more vile, this level of immorality. Now this is given into a whole other level of, of perversion. This is being turned over into something that is unnatural even, to use the wording. Unnatural. We had the, we had the sexual perversion the first time, but now it's a turning. He says, I'm going to show you how vile you are. I'm going to remove this roadblock out of the way. And this is just man in his own heart. It's just God stepping out of the way from what he has been restraining. And now man will turn over even to unnatural, vile affections. And so does it describe those? Yes. Women with women and men with men. Homosexuality. It's amazing that people say, well, that's not, it's, it's, you know, that's nowhere in the Bible. That's a sin. Yes, it is. Throughout the word of God, it's a sin. It's unnatural. And this is the second revolution that takes place. And let me ask you this. Have we seen this restraint removed in our nation? Oh, we have. We have. It's taken place. It's now a social norm. Now the only one who's even... What's amazing is that community that, that holds to that, that follows the perversion, what they don't realize is they think I'm their enemy. I'm not. I'm the one they need to be listening to. The word of God is. This is the answer. Those that are lying to him, tell them it's all right. You have your own truth. It's okay. Don't worry about that. They're going to die. That's going to take place. They will face an eternal judgment, as all men will that are apart from Christ for that matter. But we have seen our nation turned over to this. The ones who are now evil in the culture are the ones who proclaim that it's a sin. Just like the Word of God tells us, they will call good evil and evil good. Thirdly, look at this one. Verse 28. 
And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And now it gives a list right there. Now this comes to our mind. We are turned over to a reprobate mind. Wickedness will abound. To quote from one commentator dealing with this third time that man is turned over and the last time. It says, reasoning is so corrupted that it's crippled. The faculty, the intellectual uh, faculty can no longer function. The moral law of God written in the heart has been literally stomped and replaced with cultural immorality. This is the end of it. Man is given over all kinds of wickedness. It's no longer just on the sexual side. It begins to just explode in wickedness everywhere. It's similar to what we see taking place in Genesis chapter 6, where man's imagination was only evil continually, and the earth was filled with violence. We are seeing what happens when God leaves you alone. Within this list, 23 types of sins are listed. And it's being filled up with these things. The unrighteousness, the wickedness, which is common everywhere. Fornication, sexual immorality is everywhere you look now. Covetousness, which, I I mean, greed controls so much of people's actions today. Maliciousness, this is full of malice or cruel, filled with hate. Now, Each one of us are certainly capable and certainly have committed multitudes of the sins that would be on this list of 23. These are just not sins, just like like it listed prior. They're not just released at that time. It's now in abundance. It's where it's just common. It's just everywhere. It's just begin, this is almost how people begin to operate. Cruel. Murder. You think of the story just outrageous yesterday, the dad who wouldn't let his kid fight at the middle school. And so apparently that kid and uncles or dad, I don't know who came over, came over to the kid's house. And the dad just said, no, I'm not, I'm not letting him out to fight. And then so the adults were there, so then we'll fight you. They killed him. They beat him to death. Right there, right in front of his family. Beat him to death. It's a different level nowadays. Of course, full of envy. We can see that everywhere. Debate. This, you can't think of this in the idea as we have good debate. Good debates are healthy. What this word means is people that are always just contentious, full of strife. Just how they live. Again, the culture will become, when this is removed... It just becomes full of this. Deceit. I mean, think of everything, all the extremes, businesses, families are going to, 
to try and figure out a way around man's deceit. Because man is so deceitful. Malignity. This means whenever, basically, when someone actually does some good, they only see the evil in it. They can only see what's wrong with it. It's hard for them to see the good in anything. Something good is done and, nope, we're not going to recognize that. They just have a negative reaction to it. Yeah, well, what about this? Whisperers. This word has the meaning of tearing down the character of another. Whether true or not. Ruining reputations. Backbiters. Basically dealing with slandering. Haters of God. No, we don't have haters of God today, do we? Remember, what was it? Was, was that at the uh, Democratic uh, National Primary Convention where they voted out God? You guys remember that? Was that right? Am I thinking right? Just amazing. You voted out the Creator. And look where we're at today. Hasn't that done wonders for our nation doing that? But they, re- they think man has all the answers. We will solve it with money. We'll solve it with education. We'll solve it with this bill and this bill. And we'll regulate this. We'll regulate this. We can regulate man. No, you can't. It's not possible. Despiteful. Just being mean. Proud. Boasters. Well, you don't have trouble with narcissism in our day, do we? Inventor of evil things. Men constantly finding new ways to satisfy their sinful lust. Disobedient to parents. Without understanding. We see, we, sometimes you just, you're just like, what, what are they doing? I, I mean, it's just amazing. Without, there's, just a, a, there's just an amazing amount of foolishness. I mean, like right now, just allowing thousands into our country every day. Every day. Covenant breakers, again, nobody is a man of their word, a person of their word, breaking their promises. Without natural affection, parents and mothers who could care less about their kids. I mean, you can see this taking effect in many ways. Implacable, which has the meaning of, they never come to reconciliation. It's, it's like they don't want, the fight to finish. They don't want a truce. They're not going to work to that end. That's what that word implies. And of course, unmerciful. Unmerciful. We are seeing all of these, of course, beginning to fill up in our culture just fairly recently. Again, remember when this happens, it is God's wrath on a rebellious people. But look. Look at Acts 14. The gospel is still incredibly powerful. 
which was the answer. By the way, remember, go back to verse 16 and 17. The answer for what he was dealing with was the gospel. Okay? In Romans chapter 1. Let's look where Paul points this out in in, uh, Acts chapter 14. Which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do you these things? These were the idolaters, the vile, wicked culture, filled with sin, filled with iniquity. Look at his response. We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all things that are therein who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, and that he did good and gave us rain from heaven, fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. There is still an answer to what's taking place in the gospel. As the Bible instructs us, as the Lord Jesus Christ instructed us in Matthew chapter 5, we are to be the light in this dark world. Don't be like the disciples who, remember in John chapter 9, when you had the blind man on the side of the road. Just amazing. The blind man on the side of the road asking to be healed. The disciples don't try and help him at all. Remember, what they, they just asked the question, who did sin, this man or his parents? Amazing. They wanted to have a theological discussion instead of getting the man help. They didn't see the need that was right before them. Be careful. We have to stay still focused on the need of our culture because we have the answer, and that is the gospel. We are all sinners saved by grace. Remember, except for the grace of God, that could be you. We have the answer. As I've already said, the answer is in Romans 1, 16 and 17, and that is Paul's point. The power of the gospel to change a man. It is the answer for our culture as well as well, for the entire world. So, we need to be a light in this dark world. We certainly need to be praying, and we need to be able to stay strong in the faith, knowing God is in control. Look for those opportunities to witness, to talk to that person who has no clue what's taking place in this world right now. And and, and people do see it. They do. A lot of people are not ignorant that are seeking truth. I remember one day just just going to the, you know, once a week I stopped by the bank and I still remember the bank teller one day and said, can we talk? And I said, knew who I was. I said, sure. And then went right back to an office and then just started crying. Just seeing everything going on in the world. And I told her, I said, this is the answer going into that gospel. But if you're to do that, you've got to know how to present it, don't you? You've got to know how to effectively present the gospel. No, that's one of the biggest hindrances why you don't. You don't have confidence. Pass out tracks. Listen, you can't pass out tracks. But there's nothing like a person hearing another man talk to them or another woman talk to them with passion in their eyes and in their voice, telling them this is the answer. See, that's one of the dangers of a track. 
I, I, I won't do this, but I have debated the idea of removing all tracks. All. And just where you have to learn it to tell somebody. I remember when... When I, when, I, when I first started, I should go back to that myself. When I first started going door to door by myself, I mean, I didn't, again, I just heard my church didn't do it. Remember that. They, they didn't do it. So I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know you took tracks. I didn't take any tracks. I just went up. And at first I had, I had the, the, the pastor's son who was, we were best friends at the time. That, that ended a few months after this. But I think the first two or three times he went with me. I talked him into going with me. He was on the very first house we went to. He was leaned, the very first house I ever knocked on for my first time ever soul winning. Ricky leaned against the fence. It was just like about five steps up on a porch up, though, and it broke. And he fell back to the ground on the very first door that I ever knocked on. But I didn't have a track. I still remember what I'd said. I just went up to the door and said, I said, I, I said what church I was from. I said, but I'm not here to invite you to my church. Just the opposite of what I do now, basically. I said, I'm not here to invite you to my church. I said, I have one question for you. If you were to die right now, where would you go? And then just see how they responded from there. We have the answer. Listen, we, we have the soul, the soul winning booklets. What, about once a year I teach the course? Learn. It's not difficult. Do you understand? It's the most important truth you have. It's like you're a doctor. You have the cure for cancer, but you don't even want to study it to give it out. Yet you see cancer patients all day long. We have the truth of what's needed. I mean, just think for a second again. I say this all the time because I I think about uh, in relation to myself often. What if you grew up right now in this culture that, again, the only thing you knew of Christianity is what you saw on a television set? You wouldn't think anything of it. You You would hear what you heard in the classrooms that religion's just a crutch. We evolved. Oh my goodness, still. The idea that people believe that's just mind-boggling to me. We've evolved. But that's all they hear. That's all they know. They don't even question it. They don't get to a point where they have to put that in context of anything. So they grow up. They think that, the, that those who attend churches, now there's just, you know, remember like I, I mentioned that the doctor who got saved in New Guinea. He said, he just thought Christians were all a bunch of nuts. He shows up in New Guinea as an atheist. But then he finally met a real Christian. And that missionary led him to the Lord. Changed his life completely. But you've got to be able to present it. It's not difficult. It's not. And I think even the first time, if you stumble through it, stumble through it. You'll be amazed what the Lord's Spirit can do regardless. There's times I presented the gospel and thought, that is this is not going well. But learn, practice it. You hear, if you took the soldering class, I tell you that all the time. I don't know how often, like I said, I, that's not, that wasn't just something to say I was funny. I literally did that. I led my dog to the Lord, I don't know how many hundreds of times. He was the lost one in the house all the time, so I, I practiced soul winning on my German shepherd. He's the only dog who will be in heaven. No, but I did. I Practice it. Listen to yourself. Even record yourself if you have to. And think for a second. After you record yourself, just play it back and listen. And, and, and when you play it back, kind of step back and think, okay, I'm a lost person. I know no church terms. 
I don't know what justification means, sanctification means, being saved means. I mean, that's been mocked so often time in the media. They're just going to think you're a nut job. So you have to think, okay, if I'm coming at it from this perspective, just ask yourself one question. Would I understand? Would it be clear? And by the way, that is one of my issues. Again, the truth is in it. It's one of my issues with Romans Road. Somebody running through Romans 3, 10, 3, 23, 5, 8, 6, 23, Romans 10, 9, and 10, and I don't know anything. I mean, back when our culture still had some godly standards, we had the overwhelming majority just pray to prayer out of politeness. Present it effectively. Presenting the judgment to come. That they are condemned. And that the answer is Jesus Christ. Explaining to them what he did on the cross with his death, burial, and resurrection. Our culture is in a sad state. It is. I mean, last week when we looked at the downward projection, we saw men, we got men dressing like women right now. Believing they're women. With, and, it's, and it's wrong for us to tell them, listen, no, you're not. You really are a man. I know you had a void in your life. I know you were missing something. I know life didn't seem right for you. It was complex. It was difficult. But the answer you've been given that you're a woman isn't it. The void you had was not the fact that you have to dress up like a woman. You will find that empty, shallow, and the suicide rates aren't going to go down regardless if we stop preaching it. Because we're not the reason the suicide rates were high. The reason the suicide rates were high was because of of the abomination that it's becoming. There is no answers in that. There is no hope in that. You will wake up empty when all the crowds are done and all the fanfare is done. And you wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning and you just sit there and you're disgusted. What am I doing? What is this? We have the answers for this. Let me finish with this. I've given it out before, and this is just for our church to remember. It was, it was here. I was driving to church one day and listening to the Christian radio station, and, and uh, they had a, uh, it was a, the guy was doing an interview, it was a national interview, with this lady who had been converted, and she was a lesbian up to the day she was converted. And her testimony was just so powerful. Think about this, all right? Think about this. And I've said it before, but I think you should look it up. I'm sure it's probably easy to find. And said she woke up on a Sunday morning, just like I described, miserable, knowing this is just horrible. She was in her marriage, and she said, I was the man of the relationship, if you will. She said, everywhere I went, it was clear. Everybody knew what I was. So she woke up. She said she's never been in church in her life. She said, I'm going to try church. I'm going to go to church. She had never been. Uh, Could you imagine the courage it's going to take her to walk through church doors from everything she's been told and heard? The amount of courage. Because usually, by the way, that's not usually we're the ones should be at her door that day, by the way. But she went to church. And when she gives her test, she says, I was scared to death. She says, everybody knows what I am. She said, I sat down in the very last row, basically right where Daniel Rico is right now. Sat down right there. And she said, just nervous and scared. And she said, right in front of me was an elderly couple. 
she said, they turned around and just started talking to me. And she talked how she began to relax a little bit. She said they were so kind and sweet. She said she still had trouble listening to the service, just being there for the first time. She said, but as soon as the service ended, that elderly couple said to me, would you like to go to lunch? And she said, yes. She was back the very next week. And that very next week, she came forward and put her faith in Christ in the service. Her life changed. We have the answer. We do. The culture is not without hope. It is not. This is the answer. With heads bowed and eyes closed.